This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is Joy 94.9's Family Matters podcast, a light-hearted look at parenthood and rainbow families, sponsored by Berry Street. Did you know that Berry Street seeks members of our LGBTI communities to become foster carers? Not only do they have a proud tradition of training and embracing LGBTIQ carers, they officially support marriage equality. Learn more now at berrystreet.org.au, a proud Joy sponsor for over five years. You gotta see the baby. When are you gonna see the baby? Family matters. It's Thursday night, eight o'clock. Family matters. Your light-hearted show about rainbow families, I guess. Tonight we are looking at the legal aspects of international surrogacy and why Australia needs reform. And I'm joined Ooh. by Steph who's a newbie to Family Matters, and the very lovely producer, Gina. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, Steph, you're not a newbie anymore. You're like part of the furniture now. And tonight you're our experienced mum, because Dave and I, no. I've got a So tonight I'm the token parent. You are the token parent. We've been looking for a token um, for you. Yeah, well, I'm token parent tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind that. And we also, there is a lot of Rainbow Family and Joy representation in at tonight's, uh, not tonight, what about tonight's the, tonight's the, uh, the special dinner. Tonight. Yeah, there's a special dinner for some Globe, uh, yeah. uh, you know, nominees and previous award winners. Oh, that, oh, we we haven't been invited, yeah. But this Saturday night, Next the Globe year. Awards are on, and our very own Beck Dell from Family Matters is yes. nominated for Straight Ally of the Year. We're going to talk about Globe Awards as well. Later. If you want to get in contact with the team, yeah, if, if you have any questions about surrogacy and need some free legal advice, ah, you're not going to get it. But if you do ah. have any questions for our guest, how can they reach? Uh, you can SMS us on 0427JOY949 or you can email us on air at joy.org.au. Paul Norris Ongzo is a principal lawyer at IPT Law. He's going to join us uh, in the hour to answer all the questions that we have about mm. international surrogacy. Yeah, there was something that happened on social media and Twitter around September that I'd like some kind of a breakdown for. So something that happened in the area of surrogacy. Or if you've got any mm. questions for our token token parent as yeah. well. Yeah, token staff. Having trouble getting the kids <laughs> to bed or something. Eating their greens. <laughs> yeah, I can, I, can, I can sort them all out. Steph, you're looking a bit nervous. Is that because you're speaking <laughs> to me? Or? No, Dave. Oh, actually, no. yeah, you know. <laughs> anyway, let's get a song <laughs> on, Gina. You're listening to Family Matters on Joy 94.9. The kids are all right. As for our presenters, um... Family Matters, Joy 94.9. It is Thursday night, my favourite hour of radio. And as I said, we're going to inject some intelligence into the studio. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> we're gonna, Cheers. We're going to lawyer it up. Um, since 1995, Paul has been appearing as an advocate in general commercial, intellectual property and technology migration, administrative law, criminal <laughs> matters in courts and tribunals, ranging from VCAT up to the Court of Appeal. Paul draws upon his 22 years of experience as a lawyer and 10 years' experience in the Royal Australian Air Force and Defence Industry. Since 2012, IPT Law has also been providing legal services and advice to clients in all jurisdictions of Australia and to some foreign clients. Yes, and he was in the audience of Q&A the other night, that historic event. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. So I think we probably need to kick off, Paul, with with a question, a 101-style question. What is surrogacy? Well, surrogacy is when you have 
either two or one, it doesn't, it doesn't matter now, but you have a person who can't have a child themselves for biological or medical reasons and they engage with a, a woman to carry their child. And in most cases these days, it's the woman carrying the child, being the surrogate, does not have any biological connection with the child. And what's the difference between gestational and traditional surrogacy? Well, th- that's that distinction. Yeah. So gestational surrogacy, which is in most jurisdictions the only form of surrogacy that's allowed, is where the genetic material comes from people other than the surrogate. Traditional surrogacy is, I guess if you hark back to Abraham and biblical times, where the the surrogate provides her own eggs. And that's the the surrogate providing her own eggs, I know with our clinics here in Australia, is actually not something they assist no. with at all. Yeah. So it has to be a donor egg. If, if someone is having it here in Australia, when we've spoken to Dr. Ann Polinus, um, who's a fertility specialist here in, um, in Australia, yes, if you are, you can't actually do that and go through the formal channels of the fertility clinics, is my understanding. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's illegal in most yeah. um, jurisdictions. We hear a lot about altruistic and commercial surrogacy. What's the difference there? And what's the laws allow us to do in Australia? So altruistic surrogacy is essentially the surrogate doing it um, out of goodwill and for altruistic reasons to allow someone else to have the opportunity of having a family. Whereas commercial surrogacy is the... It's very hard to define, but commercial surrogacy is essentially the surrogate mother receiving some compensation. Each jurisdiction, so we talk about the six different jurisdictions in Australia, or Mm. seven, that have surrogacy arrangements, have their own definition of what is altruistic surrogacy in their jurisdiction, and then likewise overseas. So, for example, in Canada, it's altruistic surrogacy, but the surrogate is allowed to get compensation for a range of expenses, including grocery bills. Wow. In Greece, it's altruistic surrogacy, but the courts in Greece have approved payments of €10,000 to the surrogate as just being a reasonable compensation. Whereas in Australia, mm. it's essentially it's only for medical bills. So so not even loss of wages? So no. say Really? So a woman might have to take a month or two months or say she's experiencing some medical conditions and have to take time off work. So the work mm. is coming uh, off her own... Look, I, as a man, I wow. find it difficult to understand why a lot of uh, women who I've seen as surrogates um, do it where, you know, they go backwards in terms of income over that one year or sometimes it's like 15 months of their life that they devote. And when we think of it's not only the the salary itself that's lost because we've uh, we've interviewed a a surrogate who loves being a surrogate and she's great at it. I think God bless women that can do that. Um, But it's, you know, superannuation. It's all that accumulation of lost income Mm. um, that she's not entitled to. But medical bills, of course, all get taken care of. And that would be the intended parents, is that? That's right. So the the intended parents being, or or intended parent, because I have a lot of clients who do it as a single man or a single woman as well. So with the laws here in Australia, should should we be moving towards more commercial or is it? Well, look, um, there's a number of uh, academics who have have looked at a a range of studies and said things like uh, uh, our focus on keeping surrogacy altruistic essentially prevents the the surrogate from being able to negotiate a fair compensation for the work that she does, which is for, you know, 
18 months or more. Yeah. Uh, mm. So, yes, you know, it, I think we have, you know, we're caught up in this um, moralistic view of it that we should not be paying for a baby. And, and there is a fine line between mm. surrogacy and child trafficking. Some countries view all forms of surrogacy as a form of child trafficking. And Norway is an example. So it and is a very difficult... And that term in itself has such awful negative mm. connotations to think of it in that, used in that way, when we know that the, you know, the, the, pe- you know, the people in our community that are accessing these services, my good, it's just an awful way of... That's right. Yeah. But, you know, and that's why I advise people who, who come to ask me about the process generally. I, I tell them, look, go to a country where surrogacy is regulated. Um, if you go to the jet destinations where it's unregulated or even illegal, you run the risk that the Australian government will not support you in bringing a child back home. Now, we talked um, off air earlier, but we are talking about some countries that we know in the past have been places such as India um, that have been available. That's no longer an option. Even some places in Asia. What are some of the countries that previously were you know, places people have gone and, and had children that are no longer on the table. Sure. So so back in around 2010 um, and up until about 2014, you were able to go to India, Thailand, um, Mexico, and that was pretty much it in Asia for a destination where it was not illegal. Okay. So Thailand changed that when the military government uh, got into place and they... Uh, expressly banned surrogacy in certain circumstances, i.e. for international parents, and it's now illegal there. Is it? I remember when it was happening in India because I had a friend going through this and it seemed to be that it wasn't just international parents, it was actually targeting gay couples in particular. Is, Is it all international parents or were they making a distinction of... Gay male couples. No, it, it was definitely a, a progressive shutdown. Okay. And the first aspect that was shut down was for gay parents to access surrogacy in India. And then subsequently uh, there was a bit of a, a difference of opinion between India and Australia and India excluded Australians and then they, they sort of shut it down completely. That would have been a horrific time for people that were midway through the process. I can only imagine. It was. I mean, I have clients who, I have clients now who have brought back their son from Canada recently in the last two months. They started in India. Wow. Um, they didn't get to do, to do any embryo transfers. India presented problems to them. They moved to Thailand. They created embryos in Thailand. Thailand shut down. Oh, my goodness. They moved to Mexico. Oh. Um, Mexico shut down. So they were going, they had a slow, steady yeah. process. They finally moved to Canada and they've come home, uh, you know, four years later with the baby. Congratulations to them, but my goodness, what a journey and a cost and an emotional cost as well as a financial cost for this That's right. Most of my clients um, come to me as uh, if they're a heterosexual couple or women. They've been through years and years of IVF. So, Paul, perhaps you can explain how you became involved in um, international surrogacy because it's a great story. (laughs) It was, I, I guess, by accident and by choice. Um, I was a commercial litigation and intellectual property lawyer previously, and my partner and I did surrogacy in Thailand. 
And when we did it in Thailand, we uh, it, Thailand was relatively new. India was the rage at the time, but we elected not to go to India because we saw the writing was on the wall. And I, um, I, I realised that there was a lot of paperwork to do. And so I had prepared a mountain of paperwork ready to go. And we then went on doctor's advice that it was all okay and had a holiday um, in Egypt and Israel. And our holiday was cut short on Christmas Day where we were told to um, get ourselves to Bangkok as soon as possible because the twins were coming. Wow. So Merry Christmas. <laughs> Christmas babies, yes. So as a result of that, firstly in the gay community and then it um, you know, broadened to the wider community, people were just asking me questions about you know, what the process was, um, who, I sh- who they should speak to. And then eventually people said, well, can you do the work for me? Um, I realised there was a mountain of paperwork. And the issue I, I came to realise was that even the most professional and intelligent clients I've had, when they have a baby for the first time, they suddenly don't know how to dot the I's and cross the T's. Yeah. And if you make a mistake in the documentation to get citizenship or passports, you sort of go, the department will tell you, but you go back to the start. And when you've had a baby overseas, all you want to do is get home. You just want to get home. And, and delays overseas, depending on the, you know, whether it's Cancun, Mexico, or um, the beaches in Thailand, or um, the frozen St. Petersburg, um, <laughs> it makes a difference of how you might want to get home or how quickly. And what um, percentage of your clients are same sex? Um, it varies. It fluctuates throughout um, different years and depending on the destination because same-sex couples have had a lot of options closed off for them. So mm. India, Nepal, Thailand, Mexico were all open to same-sex couples and they've all closed. Mm. Um, now I've just uh, established a new option in Russia, but essentially Russia, US and Canada are the only options for same-sex couples. I've got to qualify that, but... Mm. Um, the Greece, Ukraine and Georgia are available only for married or de facto couples, um, heterosexual couples. So it's been about 50 to 60%. But I have, I have families of all, um, I have heterosexual married couples and de facto couples, uh, single women, single men, gay couples, lesbian couples wow. from all across Australia. We are talking with Paul Norris Ongzo, who's a principal lawyer at IPT Law. We're talking about everything to do with surrogacy. If you've got any questions, please text in on 0427 JOY 949. Or you can email us on air at joy.org.au. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Family Matters on JOY 94.9. Family Matters, JOY 94.9. We do have Paul Paul Norris Ongzo uh, from IPT Law as our special guest tonight. And if you've got any questions for him or the gang, you can text in on 0427 JOY 949. Or you can email us on air at joy.org.au. Plus, Plenty of social media, Jenny. You do Always. such a great job there with all our sure social medias. We've got and two podcasts are up today ah, from last week with can, Nan McGregor. Which you can go to your mm-hmm. podcast provider and search for Joy Family Matters or you can go to joy.org.au. Twitter is Family Matters 94. Give us a follow. Facebook is forward slash Family Matters on Joy. Now, just over the break, really quickly, you mentioned Russia as one of the options. I might be stereotyping, but I would not think that would be a safe option for a gay couple. I had the same view. Um, my pa- and this relates to my name that uh, you're finding difficulty pronouncing. Um, my partner is of Asian 
um, background. And so we decided when we did surrogacy or going to do surrogacy, we combined our names so that our children would all have the same name. Um, but we've always had, based on him being Asian and on us being gay, always had reservations about going to Russia. It's always been a place we'd love to go to. Mm. So we went there in uh, October, the beginning of October, for eight days in order to meet with some uh, clinics that were doing surrogacy there. And we were pleasantly surprised. We were re- we've got a different view of Russia. I must say, uh, we only went to St. Petersburg and Moscow. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Petersburg, uh, we've got three five-year-olds, so we don't, we're past the bar nightclubbing stage, <laughs> but we were away without our children. So we went to Three gay bars <laughs> that were all next to each other. And the gay the bars Saturday night, like, in St. You know. Petersburg were True. pumping. You know, they were full and they were, they were like all the straight bars out on the street as well. Yeah. Uh, we saw no issues. We faced no issues wow. whatsoever. The people we spoke to um, or spoke with in Russia were were just amazing. You know, the, as much as our, our taxi driver from the airport was complaining about Putin and, you know, spending money on Syria and only giving $12 uh, a month for um, child support for the parents raising children. So um, I think the people we met in Russia were amazing, yeah. uh, friendly, um, intelligent, and we didn't have any issues. Now, surrogacy in Russia... Because uh, it's a bit of a masochistic, um, masochistic um, en- environment, and the president's like he is. Uh, Russians view um, a man's right to have children as enshrined in the law. Wow! So okay. it's a man's right to have a child. So there've been test cases where single men who have been known to be gay um, have gone and done surrogacy in Russia, and they've gone to the courts, and the courts have upheld their rights to be the only name on the birth certificate. So they don't allow gay couples to do surrogacy in Russia, but they allow single men to do it. So we have gay couples go as a single man. The contract is signed by the father who's going to be the biological father. We're going to talk about it's the cheapest destination for same-sex couples to do surrogacy anywhere in the world. Wow, and we're going to talk about some of that later because I I have an uh, I want to ask you about or- an Oregon um, couple that we had that came and spoke to us here at Family Matters. But back on our mainland, September something happened in the in the family court where, and I remember seeing tweets and and reports from you know Gay Dads Australia, and I the best I to my knowledge that I could understand when I was reading these reports is that there was some sort of I don't know, I wouldn't say changing the law, but something was pointed out and and there was a decision made which my basic non-law layman's understanding of it was basically leaving children parentless. Correct. In limbo. Can you, Paul, so, please explain what, what um, that was about? I have to lead into it with yeah, a please. bit of an explanation of the fact that uh, within Australia, um, if you look at the Commonwealth laws, there are four laws that have four di- there are actually 11 laws significant laws that have 11 different definitions of parent and child mm-hmm. now under australian law um you are not legally the parent of the child if you've done surrogacy internationally um even though you may have a court order from california mm-hmm. you may be the only parents on the birth certificate um that matters for nothing in Australia. Even if you've got the genetic link Even to if that you've got child. The, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. So 
what I uh, tell clients from the outset is that they should do everything um, at the time of the surrogacy and immediately after the birth of their child to prepare all documentation for a family court application for parenting orders and a declaration of parentage. Now, a parenting order is an order from the family court saying you, John Smith, have all the rights and responsibilities of a parent in respect of this child and it lasts until the child turns 18 and then it evaporates. Um, That order could be uh, rescinded, um, replaced by another order by the court if for any reason there were circumstances that suggested this was not an appropriate person to be a parent. Um, Now, separate to that, there was there's a, a thing called a declaration of parentage. And that's the second thing. So these are two separate... Two things. Yeah. A declaration of parentage is something uh, where the family court says, you, John Smith, are the parent of that child. And that's essentially a permanent order. Um, and it's it's required because under the, uh, the Family Law Act, it says that um, a, a parent is the parent of a child if their names appear on a birth certificate issued by a state or territory, or a prescribed overseas jurisdiction. And guess what? No overseas jurisdiction has been prescribed. So birth certificates from overseas have no presumption of parentage. So for the last four to five years, people have been going to the family court and it's really dependent upon which judge they got on whether or not they would get a declaration of parentage. I should say that every person who has gone to the family court um, because of having done international surrogacy and has applied for a parenting order has been successful. Okay. But a declaration of parentage has had a much lower success rate. Now, the irony is that in 2012, a judge um, in Sydney granted a declaration of parentage and said, okay, I have the power to because neither this provision or that provision apply to you, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to make it because it's in the best interests of the child. That same judge, a year later, said, I think I was wrong. So in this case, I'm not going to give a declaration of parentage, but tell me more. You know, maybe you can convince me. A year after that, and that was in New South Wales, that's important. Um, A year after that, in Victoria, a judge said, uh, uh, it was a female judge, and she said, look, Victoria is different. And despite what the other judges have said, I'm going to give you a declaration of parentage because in Victoria, the state law doesn't cover the field. It doesn't say this is the only way you can do surrogacy. It simply says if you're going to do surrogacy in Victoria, you do it like this. Now, what happened on the first... And so that represented for me an opportunity for my clients if they were in Victoria or if they were outside New South Wales, ACT or Queensland to apply for the um, declaration of parentage and they had a good chance or a chance mm. of being successful if they were the biological parent. You must be the biological parent to yeah. get that declaration. What happened in um, uh, September is that the full family court, a panel of three judges, I- including the judge who made the two decisions that contradicted each other, <laughs> found that, no, this is the end of it. There's no power in the family court to grant a declaration of parentage in international surrogacy cases because... The states cover the field. They say, if you want to do surrogacy, you do it like this. But the bright spot is that they said, look, it is not for interventionist judges to fix the law. Parliament needs to fix this because there's a gap through which all these children who have 
are the result of international surrogacy yeah. have no legal parent in Australia. Now, I want people to sit and think about that while we just play these quick announcements and we're coming straight back. You're listening to Family Matters with any combination of Gina, Adrian, Michelle, David and Beck. Joy 94.9. <laughs> Family Matters on Joy 94.9 this Thursday night and we are going to school tonight about surrogacy. How much have we How much have we? That learning? just frightened me. Yeah. Uh, Paul, can you just repeat what we said right before that break? If you do international surrogacy and bring your child home to Australia, um, that child has no legal parents in Australia. Since prior to 1st of September, you could go to court and try and obtain an order that would give um, the child a legal parent in Australia. Now the full family court has made it uh, certain you, you will not succeed. The only way to resolve that is by Parliament enacting a law. And I mean, the the frustrating part is that the Family Law Council did a report in December 2013, which was released to the public in June 2014. I think Tony Abbott was Prime Minister then. And it made recommendations. It identified this legal limbo for all these children born through international surrogacy. And I should say, it's mm. about 250 per year. Oh my so right now in the Australian Parliament, is, it, is there movement with these laws? Is there... Has there been laws proposed yet? No, or nothing. So the report movement? sits there. It recommends um, a simple solution, which is to um, enact a new law called the a Federal Status of Children Act, which would allow the family court to transfer parentage from the surrogate to the intended parents. And what's, a very what's simple currently process. holding us back? Uh, well, there's just inaction. The, the, mm. the, the Family Law Act has been um, amended many times, but in this respect, sort of progressively to deal with IVF and then deal with surrogacy, but it only deals with surrogacy done in the states of Australia. It's a constitutional issue too, because mm. the, the states have the rights, in it's, it's their power to deal with parentage. The Commonwealth power is to deal with marriage and divorce. So mm. the family court's trying to deal with everything, but its hands are tied in that it can't interfere with a state power, and that is where parentage is. So they're saying... We have no power to make this order. Yeah. We think it's in the best interests of the child to do because so. Because it's a human right that a child knows it's by it's it's a. Uh, oh I'm, yes, I'm no, no. The it, lame, it, most lame international terms. conventions yes, to which Australia is a signatory uh, state that every child should have a right to know its biological, its biological parent yeah. and its birth mother. Yeah. Now to know them. To know them. Yeah. Right, and, and if necessary, to, to interact them, with but them, but just know them. But yeah. Uh, under the law, and and this has implications for wills, um, for school, for medical treatment, yeah, everything. for superannuation. That's, that's, that's my everything. question. How, I mean, how do these laws affect the children yeah. in practical right terms? You know, and, and the parents. Yeah. You know, can, you, can your child <laughs> you know, get passports? In, I guess, uh, ironically, in practical terms, it's had limited effect because not everyone knows about it. People see a birth certificate issued from the United States that says uh, John and Jim Smith are the parents of this uh, child and they accept that. Whereas under Australian law, that has no legal effect. Yeah. But once, and as we become a society that cares more and more about children and, and take more precautions yeah. with dealing with children, I expect that it will become more of a problem. And do you find it, people understanding this now will resist going and getting these orders going, I don't want a court telling me that I'm not this parent's child when I am, in fact this biological parent's child will be people be afraid to 
cross you know cross those T's and dot those I's when they return home. Well, they may be, but I think they should be more fearful of not going to court and getting the parenting order, the lower level order that they can get, which will allow them to legally deal with their child. Wow. So what's some of the advice for what a a same-sex couple that want to get a kid, what's the advice right from day one? Well, I, I, I tell them to get someone involved I say a lawyer, I say me, of course, um, from the outset because if you're doing international surrogacy to start with, let's say you do it in the United States, there are four different jurisdictions that apply. There's the law of the United States, there's the law of California, say, Mm -hmm. there's the law of Victoria and there's the law of Australia. And although you get, as I said, there's 11 different definitions of child and parent in Australia. Australian law alone, not talking about Victorian law, Mm. if you, uh, and those laws all conflict. So we've had the case of a surrogate um, in Canada who was asked by her intended parents to sign the passport application because in Australia, you need the surrogate mother to sign the passport application in order to get a a passport for your child. And she initially refused because she said, well, hang on, why should I? Under Canadian law, I have no rights to this child. Uh, You know, I've waived those rights. I've gone through the process. So you're now asking me to do something as if I have rights. So the Canadian surrogate is not recognising or understanding that under Australian law, it's different. And that's, that's the situation. So um, the child's mother in Canada or, or parents in Canada are the intended parents. The child's parents in Australia are the surrogate and her husband. It's, it's so complicated, isn't it? Yeah. And the child's yeah. parents no, in a third country could be something different. So, for instance, when we travelled to South America, we had to go back and get documents signed by the surrogates and notarised and all the legal process followed mm. in order to apply for a visa to go to Brazil. So which country is most compatible with Australia and surrogacy? Can we actually also ask exactly which countries allow surrogacy? Because earlier tonight we were talking off sure. air. Asia's off off the limits now, isn't it? Yeah. There's yeah. no... Uh, look, there are people who are trying to do it in Cambodia or in Laos. There's an Australian woman in jail in Cambodia. Um, stay away. There's no nowhere in Asia where it's legal. Yeah. Um, the only destinations are Canada, the United States, and there's about 27 states in the US that each have their own laws. So there's 27 different regimes. Russia, the Ukraine, Georgia, and Greece. And we, I have yeah. clients in all of those countries. Yep. And who do you find easiest to deal with? The Well, there's different factors. Easiest to deal with, where there's more legal certainty, um, where the medical outcomes are more certain, the US. But negative is cost and health insurance issues. Yep. In Australia, though, what's the best state to be living in if this is where you'll be heading? Victoria. Victoria. Because of its, its law yeah. that it doesn't proscribe the conduct of intended parents... Um, outside of Victoria. So is it, is it common for a lot of same-sex couples who have been through the surrogacy and have a child right now, are there a lot of couples that don't have parental orders or may yes. not even... Oh, the vast majority don't. do not. But traditionally it's been out of fear that by going to court... Fair enough. <laughs> ..they would highlight <laughs> their situation of having um, committed a criminal offence in New South Wales, Queensland or the ACT. Okay. Because when parents have presented... Um, the court judges have, in some cases, felt obliged to refer them to the DPP. The judges have always done that with a proviso that, look, it's not in the best interests of the child, but 
on the face of it, you've committed an offence in Queensland. And has there so been any incidents like that? There's been no prosecution. No? Yeah. Okay. Common sense, And for the, yes. for the couples who don't have those parental orders, or um, do you have any advice for them right now? Or are they best off to rush off Come to court? Come see you, Paul. Don't break up with your partner. Yep. Uh, don't get involved with the police for any reason. Don't have significant medical issues for your child. And don't have a, a school wow. that asks yes. um, lots of questions if one of you, the parents, is not on the birth certificate. Wow. Because remember, in many jurisdictions, yeah. for gay couples, um, they will only allow one father and either the you surrogate mother Russia. or no or mother nobody, yeah. on the birth yep. certificate. Yep. So if you have a gay couple doing surrogacy in Russia, they'll get a birth certificate with only the biological father. So that raises questions in the eyes of, or uh, in the minds of organisations like schools and hospitals. Oh, any yeah. of us just have to yeah. get any doc. You know, I yeah. need to go get a part. We know the rigmarole yep. that all of us, when you're dealing with a government agency and filling in the form, the stuff that you are asked to present, and even at a school, you know, just to even to pick up a kid, even for me to pick up my niece and nephew from their respective mm. schools to prove that I am yeah. the person there to collect this child. It. You know, <clears throat> and every five years when you renew the child's passport, you may oh, need the surrogate yes. signature yeah. again. Yeah. Yes. So, Paul, you're speaking at the second global surrogacy conference uh, in December. The purpose of the conference is to bring together legal and medical experts from around the world. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. We had a conference in Melbourne last year, and this year we've decided to have a conference in um, Taipei, Taiwan, um, because we've a- I've actually got some clients from Asia as well, and um, the Chinese are rushing to America to do surrogacy. Um, And I think it's in the interests of everyone that people who do surrogacy um, approach the right organisations like the clinics and agencies in the different jurisdictions and do it in the proper way Mm -hmm. because there'll just be another horror story that will affect us all, like the the Mexican, uh, the Indian and the Thai horror stories, such as the baby gammy case, etc. There will always be another horror story. And the, if we can minimise those and educate people not to go to destinations like Cambodia or Laos or anywhere yeah. in Asia. I mean, I had a client who called me about a month ago and, and he said, look, he's got this solution where the surrogate's going to give birth in, she's a Cambodian woman, but the clinic's in Thailand and she's going to give birth in Singapore. And I said, no. <laughs> why? Yeah. You know, you're just asking for trouble. Yeah. Now... Especially with what's happened here in Australia with with the family court, where, what is it that people in our community need to do to get active for laws to change? Because nobody's going to change these laws well, just look, because I, I, the, I think... the judges have gone, okay, come on, this needs to fix. What What is it that people can do to help? I think lobby their help. local member. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, you know, we, we're in right in the middle of a, a same-sex marriage yeah. dis- debate at the moment where everyone's talking about the interests of children. Well, it's not in the interests of children, and there are hundreds who have no legal parent in Australia because of the gaps in these laws. It's easily fixed. You know, one way they could easily fix it is that provision I read out before about birth yeah. certificates. It says, or any prescribed overseas jurisdiction. Well, the government could even, without legislation, just with a regulation, they could prescribe certain states of the US and Canada and the countries that they want to prescribe. Mm -hmm. And then instantly, people who have a child there and have a birth certificate from there, that will be presumptive of their parentage and there's no need for them to go to court. Problem solved. The other way is, you know, which we've, we've got a couple of cases in the court at the moment trying to work out how to do it. There's only been one case so far, December last year, where the family court recognised a judgment from a Californian 
court. And the Californian court judgment is that uh, John and Jane Smith are the parents of this child. So they recognised that. So that's another short route. I seriously feel like we could do another hour here, Gina. I know. But we do do have to go to a quick break and then we'll wrap up. We are speaking with uh, Paul Norris Ongzo, who is a principal lawyer and they specialise in surrogacy. Yes. And if you're interested in Paul's practice, it is on our Facebook page, so feel free to go there and get some of those details. You're listening to Family Matters on Joy 94.9. Family Matters on Joy 94.9. It sure is. Family Matters, Steph, Dave and our very lovely producer Gina in the studio tonight. Paul, thank you so much. We've completely run out of time, but very quickly, in the two minutes we have, if you are, and we're talking to our audience, a gay male couple who realise they cannot get a surrogate here in Australia and they're going to have to go overseas, where do they even start? Should they come and see a lawyer? What do they do? Look, I really think they should come and see a lawyer. Um, I I think I have um, spent a lot of time investigating different clinics and different agencies overseas, and I only work with ones that have a reputation that is good, and I drop them very quickly if they develop a bad reputation. I really caution against relying solely on social media Mm -hmm. because there are so many things that are just reported on social media. Just don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) And, you know, it's just repeated as fact and people are saying – and rumours. And uh, I think you need to go and see a lawyer because for your particular circumstances, um, a different country might be the best option for you. Yeah. And that, and that really is, we've seen how complex it is depending on what state you are, depending on what country you're planning, depending on whether you're going to be the biological donor. Well, I've got clients who are moving from New South Wales to Victoria in order to avoid See? committing a criminal offence because Amazing. not that they'd be prosecuted, but because they're in a position where their employer could sack them for not being a fit and proper person oh. for blatantly disregarding a law. Oh. So there are those considerations as well. So I think from the outset, before you sign any documents, yeah. it's best to see someone yeah. and get the lay of the land. I've got a question I've come up uh, through my lunch break today. <laughs> is there a surrogate matchmaking service? Um, there is. Essentially, surrogacy agencies do that, yep. but it depends upon the jurisdiction. So in Canada, the surrogates, because of the demographic they come from, they basically choose you, the intended parents. And I've had clients who've been waiting 12 months to get chosen by a surrogate with no luck. Mm. So we do need one then. Like a Tinder app or something. A surrogate Tinder app. app. Thanks so much, I don't want to know what the ping noise is for that one. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming in. We do have a uh, quick question and it's about uh, the website for the conference. It is uh, conference.globalsurrogacy.world. And your website is itplaw.com.au. IPT. IP, I'll have it on our Facebook page so you don't get lost with my mispronunciation. You might go to the International Pro Tennis Circuit. Who could? Maybe or something. I'm not sure. Thanks so much for coming in. We are running out of time. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, uh, Gina. I was about to call you back oh. then. Oh, well. Thanks, Dave. Well, she's a woof guru and we'll... Oh, yes. Do we yeah. get to do that now? Oh, yes. Uh, I guess woof I'll do guru, it. Woof guru. Woof guru. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Family Matters, the woods are up next. Good night. You've been listening to Joy 94.9's Family Matters podcast. A light-hearted look at parenthood and rainbow families. Sponsored by Berry Street. Did you know that Berry Street seeks members of our LGBTI communities to become foster carers? Not only do they have a proud tradition of training and embracing LGBTIQ carers, they officially support marriage equality. Learn more now at berrystreet.org.au. A proud Joy sponsor for over five years. 
Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.